Salutations, everybody. It is Maddie here, and only Maddie here, with episode 286 of the Ham Radio Podcast. So you're probably wondering, where's Daddy Carrick? Where's Daddy Dustin? What's going on? Maddie's all by himself. This show's going to be awful. Well, allow me to explain. Carrick, migraine. He had a migraine back when we did Defining Duke. He has one today, and he was just like, I'm going to bow out of this episode. I said, all right, no problem with me whatsoever. And then Dustin, Dustin did not bow out. This was my decision because as I was getting ready for the show, my SD card like chipped. And if you don't know this, an SD card is the key to the YouTuber's career, right? Because if you can't save videos to your SD card or photos for thumbnails to your SD card, you can't do your job. So it's like without the SD card, you don't have a camera and vice versa. So that had to be solved immediately. I told Dustin, look, I got to run out before any stores close. I got to get this SD card so I have everything on tap because the way the industry is going, man, gaming is getting bigger than ever. There's always breaking news. And I was like, I'm not going to be without an SD card for more than a half hour. So I told him, look, just take the weekend off. I said, I'm going to be a little bit later. Uh, give me some time to finish up a couple of video projects. You'll probably notice if you've been paying attention to the channel and even on my Sky Oblivion video, which is coming out soon, I'm wearing the same shirt. So yeah, I bathe, I shower, I do my laundry. It's just you happen to have caught me on a very busy news day. So you're going to see my outfit in like three videos <laughs> between uh, my Xbox one, uh, the podcast here today, and then my Sky Oblivion one. Yeah, I'm wearing this shirt and three different videos. So that's great for thumbnails, right? <laughs> but anyway, I thought this was a good opportunity too. It's been a really long while since I've sat down, done a solo show. We do extra slice of ham over on the Patreon. That is kind of like my solo show over there. Uh, we did have Dustin hop on once. It was excellent. It was probably our best extra slice, but I do just like having the ability to sit down, pop on the microphone and just connect with the audience. And I usually do it on a tighter scale, of course, over on the Patreon where you can support us. Patreon.com slash Mr. Maddie plays. That'll net you early access to this show it'll get you that extra slice of ham access just a buck and so <clears throat> with that in mind um i just thought that on a on a on a bigger scale a bigger audience i wanted to connect with all of you i want to get a little bit closer i'm feeling pretty good i had a nice healthy dinner before this you know i had a little spaghetti squash a little rice mixed in there a little chopped meat in there a little bit of peas it's pretty good so i'm feeling solid got some water here um, that's one of my biggest focuses of the year is to uh, to remain. I, I don't think I lost the thankfulness, but just to to be thankful continuously in this year and onwards and to take better care of myself. You know, don't force out the video if you can't do it or if you're feeling like completely gassed out, which I did a lot last year and uh, just taking better care of myself, more exercise, that type of stuff. I've always been an exercise guy, but I mentioned how my elbow was kind of a a point of contingence for me for uh, a long while. It's getting better. I've been kind of rehabbing it using, it's called like a TheraBand. You twist it and then you slowly unwind it with the the hand that, or the wrist rather, that's having issues. And it kind of builds muscle back in that tendon. So between that, I was rotating a hammer even, like just a lot of ridiculous exercises, but it's starting to feel better, which is good because I would like to start shaping my body again. I do miss those days quite a bit, even though it's kind of funny. Sometimes you have a nicer body at certain points in your life, but that doesn't mean that you are healthier. I would argue I am healthier now as a person. And I probably look healthier because I had an opportunity since I stopped exercising to fill out. Um, so, you know, back then when I was exercising a lot, I think I weighed like 150 or something and I was just pretty toned, but now I'm like 165 and I've kind of filled out in certain areas without exercising. So it's just, you know, flesh there, but uh, it's interesting, right? Different phases of your life do different things. Anyway, one day I'll be jacked on this show and that'll be cool. Cause then I can beat up Carrick. All right. So 
As always with this show, we like to do the latest and greatest in gaming news. It was a pretty quiet week, all things accounted for, up until today, Friday, when we tend to record our videos and our podcasts, where, uh, let's see here, one, two, three different bits of news came out that I thought was worth entirely discussing. So with three bits of news, patron questions, um, and just me being here, this will likely be a shorter episode than it normally is on the Ham Radio Podcast, a show that miraculously has pushed past the three-hour mark multiple weeks in a row. We don't do it intentionally. Like, that's not our goal, right? Like, we don't want to be, not even don't want to be, like, we don't have this goal of, let's be the three-hour show. We just end up doing that. And so... (laughs) I don't know how many people actually get through our show entirely. I'm sure I could look at some of the numbers on YouTube, but part of me wants to just keep this a fun thing, right? It's fun just to sit down at the end of the week and not have to worry about being on camera, being on video. Um, And and by that, I mean, like, there's a difference between sitting down with my bullet point notes and kind of making a video and having a commentary on something or delivering my thoughts, whereas a podcast is a lot more relaxed, as I'm sure you're all aware. Uh, But anyway, as can't talk here we go show's already falling apart as tradition will dictate we like to talk about what we're playing at the beginning of the episode so yeah this has been a very fun week of gaming for me um you know i talked a little bit about i was playing gears i've been just trying to play a lot of random different things i've slowed down on fire emblem and that's because hitman 3 has entirely taken me away that game is Awesome. And what I thought would be kind of cool is since this is also uh, a solo show, I have the opportunity to sort of respond to things I saw in my review while also uh, expanding on some thoughts uh, with the game. So I'm pretty excited to be doing that. So yeah, Hitman 3, like I said, it completely took me away from every game. It is really replayable and it's scratching an itch right i've always been a very big fan of dishonored as i'm sure a lot of you are aware dishonored prey arcane games um, because they have these stealth sandboxes and um i just love the freedom that those games offer and they're kind of immersive uh where hitman given its third person perspective is less immersive but it's just fun and i don't know how else to say this without sounding like a psychopath but the amount of like assassination options just made me hype you know you go into these maps Uh, I'm talking specifically about Hitman 3's maps because if you go back to 1 and 2, because they had an opportunity to just, at first with Hitman 1, it was episodic. So I think there's like 40-some-odd mission stories in in, in Sapienza, whereas in um, any of the maps in Hitman 3, there's like three mission stories. So I can't wait to see how they expand upon this game, of course. Um, But the, the idea here is that I've played continuously five maps through Hitman 3. I said in my review, and I'll say it again, uh, the, the last map in this game sucks. It's terrible. It's linear. It's disappointing. Maybe on a narrative level, it's cool for people. But for me, I was just like, this is, I, you know, this is not what I play Hitman for. It was just straightforward. Um, and I just did not like it. But I think that's even more credibility lent to the other five maps, which I've spent 30 hours on. And that's insane to think about. I beat the game at 12 and I've spent, so many more hours, math, 18 more hours on this game, on just those maps. And right now, it's just been about seeing all the assassinations. So I've done all the mission stories for all the maps, and now I want to see all the assassination opportunities and ways you can lure them in. And what's interesting about these maps, what's really cool about these maps, is there's certain ones that fall underneath the same umbrella. So there's one in Dubai where um, when you can... Um, 
set off like an alarm in the penthouse and and they have to escape and if you've taken out a pilot who by a helicopter they'll have to skydive off the top of the roof because there's an emergency evacuation and it's hilarious and so you can actually like puncture their parachutes and that'll uh, achieve not only under the assassinations dying by an accident, but also like eliminating them through like the I think they call it the Mile High Club. So it, it's just interesting how things umbrella and there's certain assassinations that you can pull off that the game hasn't really I don't want to say accounted for yet, but like you could take someone out. Uh, I think you could at least try to because I found a room in one of the levels where there's a cannonball and gunpowder. I'm pretty sure you can take someone out with a cannonball, like an ancient cannon. I'm like, yo, I got to figure out how to do this. Uh, so there's just amazing moments i don't want to spoil too many of the assassinations but there's just a level of replayability here that has me grabbed i've talked a lot about on uh, extra slice of ham and here as well especially here i've been looking for that home base game and i think my mind was too one track i was always thinking well it's got to be a multiplayer game or it's got to be a games as a service but i think hitman 3 is it you know normally after i finish up a review even if I really like the game, I take a little bit of a break from it just because I was in it for so long and I want to appreciate it on a different level. Um, and sometimes I just don't want to play it anymore, simply put. Uh, but this one, I, I've just continued to play. And that's not really common outside of I kept playing Cyberpunk and it's really hard to think of other games. Valhalla I popped back into a couple of times just out of games that have come out recently. Uh, but yeah, with Hitman... It's very rare in the scheme of things that I actually just stick with that reviewed game constantly and that I'm almost nervous I'm going to get maybe a review copy for the medium. Who knows how that plays out? Um, but, like, you know, just that I'm so into this game that I know it makes sense for the the business here and, and for our Xbox podcast to get the medium, but I'm almost like... But I'm addicted to Hitman right now. So this is kind of the clash that most creators go through when you're tied to certain games or you're tied to reviews and um, you want to play other things at the same time as balancing your content. But yeah, on a replayability front, this game delivers hand over fist and it's amazing. Um, so that's where that's what I talked about when I said uh, I wanted to respond to some comments because most people got where I was coming from. But some people were asking me, how do you get best bang for your buck in 2021 when it's midway through January. And I, I anticipated that when I labeled my video, I was like, this is going to sound strange. But my philosophy behind this was like, let's say Game Pass gets a discount. Like that's just, I'm thinking of good values in the games industry, but let's say Game Pass goes, we're not going to charge you more. We're going to charge you $13 a month instead of $15 a month. So gaming's greatest value right now got even better. Even if there are different value packages that pop up, like Mass Effect Legendary Edition, I saw someone in the comments mention that. Like, wouldn't that technically be it? Because we kind of know what that trilogy is bringing, and we don't know really the extent of the upgrades, but it's already a proven trilogy. It's highly replayable. It's longer than Hitman. Couldn't you say that these games are actually the best bang for your buck in 2021? And of course, there is a bit of a subjective manner to it, right? There is the idea that there, everyone's, you know, like for this, it appeals to me a lot. Like just going into a stealth sandbox and figuring out ways to creatively take out targets. Uh, I haven't played a, a Hitman game truly um, since the first episode dropped for uh, Hitman 1. Um, and I remember they sent me, they being Square Enix, sent me like a, a disc in the mail with the game and I played it a little bit, but I, I just didn't get grabbed by it at the time. But now it's scratching that proper itch. But um, back to the value conversation, the way I look at it is that if we see better value packages pop up, and of course your value may differ from mine, um, that it doesn't take away from what Hitman 3 offers. At least right now on PC, heading up until the 30th, Hitman 3, if you buy it, you get all of Hitman 1's maps. And Hitman 1 maps 
are significant to get for free because these had the most iteration. I think Hitman 2 probably resonates with more people uh, than any of the Hitman games, which totally makes sense. I think 3 has some really, really creative maps, like some really creative mission design. Uh, I'm just talking about the Dartmoor Mansion, and I'm also talking about when you're in Berlin. I won't say more on that because I don't want to spoil too much. That was some of the feedback I got that some people said, I like that you provide examples and tell why. But also some folks are saying that don't tell too much why. So it's a delicate balance, and I think information is power, but maybe I got a little carried away in my Hitman 3 review. But anyway, the idea here was that I feel that um, if you get that Hitman 1 map set for free, right? You buy it on Epic right now. It's the only place it's offered. Um, And I know some people don't like Epic. I don't know. I've kind of moved past it. Um, Part of it's just I don't care anymore. The other part of it is I think it's gotten a little bit better over time. And third is that, you know, Everyone's doing exclusivity everywhere. So I feel like um, we should tackle that as a whole, not just Epic. But that is just my two cents. And I really I really haven't dove into what's gone wrong with Epic lately. So I am speaking on a bit of an uneducated, uneducated front. Um, but Hitman 1's maps, I swear I'm going to complete this thought <laughs> now. Hitman 1's maps had a chance to be iterated upon for a while because that was episodic. So they were given updates and updates and updates. And if you don't believe me and you got the whole edition like I did with all the maps complete, you'll see... That Hitman 1, it's maps, like the amount of mission stories and and assassinations and feats and discovery, it is crazy. There is so much more than any of the other Hitman games because they had so many chances to update them. So it's really exciting on that front, and I can't wait to see what they bring to 3. But if you buy on Epic now, you're going to get those Hitman 1 maps for free. Now, that's up until the 30th, and they also have the Hitman 2 maps 80% off. I don't know. I'm sitting in this camp where... Um, I got all the maps in one package, but when I did my review, I played two of the Hitman older maps. I played one from Hitman 1, one from Hitman 2, because I didn't want my review personally to be influenced by them giving me the whole package. I was like, what if I was just someone who took my $60 and I spent it here on Hitman 3? What it expands into is obviously very alluring for its value here at launch, but what about the base game? And that's kind of where I reviewed it from. I did lean into the one and two maps because that is an important part of the Hitman, the vision of it all. Um, So for me, that's why I put the title. I thought it was the best bang for your buck in 21 um, because there are going to be other great deals but I don't think it takes away from Hitman 3 being one of the best offers that you can get. So that is why I went with that title there. And I try to, when I create my reviews, I try to take a title or a belief, you know, which I'm like, this is some of the best value you can get um, and kind of craft a review around it. Um, But also part of it, and I do get wrapped up in this admittedly sometimes is you want to just be very like to the point, best value, right? Like good value, great value. Um, You just want to make sure that people get the point quickly and then, check out your review without obviously feeling baited. Um, So that's something that I can admittedly get wrapped up in. uh, But like, I don't have all of the headline space to be like Hitman three offers pretty great value. When you look at retrospective releases like cyberpunk 2077, which kind of scammed a lot of people. It's also highly replayable. Like the video is the place where I'm able to fully explain it. And the title has to kind of 
represent the whole point I'm trying to drive through that video. That's just general content creation. But um, that was a question I got a handful of times. Um, and I think it's a, a headline that's going to age just fine. <laughs> so I'm not really concerned, but I know I did get some questions on that. Uh, it's an excellent game, though. I do keep going back to it. I really appreciated what IO Interactive did with it. Um, I think being able to carry your old maps into Hitman 3 from 1 and 2 is cool, especially because some AI stuff was updated. So I saw a couple of people writing in saying that uh, with Hitman 1, because you have the AI in 3, if you take out someone in the mirror for an assassination, if the person's looking in the mirror in Hitman 1, something that they didn't originally have, they'll actually see that um, thanks to the AI updates in Hitman 3. I thought that was really cool, right? That changes how you play the game, and it kind of levels the playing field across the board. So you don't have to think like, Hitman 1 doesn't have this, but Hitman 3 has this. So it almost remasters effectively 1 and 2 because these are great games. They have great uh, gameplay mechanics and replayability as well. And so the way I look at it is, I mean, it brings me back to a certain type of game, right? I remember when we were kids, we talk about all of these PS2 games, in my case, and, and I, original Xbox games and Game Boy Advance games. Like, oh, I played this one forever and I played this one forever. You know, I had the opportunity when I had COVID to actually go back and just play a ton of PS2 games. And I realized how a lot of these games are very long, like the RPGs, but a lot of them are really short. I beat a couple of PS2 games pretty quickly within like the same day. You know, it's it's kind of funny to think about, right? But this does bring me back to that type of, you know, older gaming style where I didn't feel like it was holding anything back from me. Like I just could keep sinking into this level and replaying it, replaying it. Uh, Dubai last night before um, I think what was it Thursday? Yeah, Thursday last night. I played Dubai for like three hours straight. I just kept going back in and going back in. And I'm like, is this going to start to feel old and wear me down? And eventually I was like, all right, I'm going to go switch it up. But like the fact that I could play the same map for three hours and I saw all the assassinations, um, there's a level of mastery that feels good. And that's also accompanied by the unlocks. So as I'm sure some of you may be familiar with the Hitman games, as you unlock um, or I'm sorry, as you complete these missions and you complete these challenges that are offered, that's why you want to do those different assassinations. You'll unlock different starting points, items you can smuggle in. Um, there's certain assassinations you can't accomplish until you can smuggle in certain items, most notably the sniper rifle. Like there was one assassination I had to do where I took out two targets with one bullet. And so I had to like do a mission story to pull them together. And then I sniped them at like point blank range. And there's just ridiculous stuff like that. It's funny because the universe is so grounded, but at the same time, it's so wacky. And some of the ways you take people out is just ridiculous. So pardon me. I'm going to have to pause sometimes as I ramble to drink some water. Remember to stay hydrated, folks. Let's all, let's all take a drink together. Hold on. Okay. So Hitman 3. Uh, it continues to blow me away. I'm just trying to make sure I'm not forgetting anything here. Maybe I'll just pull up some of the comments and, and see if there's uh, anything here. But, yeah, my favorite map right now is the Dartmoor Mansion. The reason for that is because um, – oops, you hear that? <laughs> I don't think my mic's picking it up, but it's my uh, Mr. Bethesda here, my Patreon trailer. <laughs> uh, my favorite mission, though, is currently – uh, the Dartmoor Mansion, because there is a murder mystery there. Once again, not going to get into spoilers, but there is a murder mystery on this place. And the fact that you don't even have to do it is crazy to me. It's this well-thought-out idea. You get to this mansion. Long story short, someone's been killed, of course. And there's various 
suspects and there's evidence you have to collect and you you can start this mission by dressing up as a private investigator arriving to this mansion and what's amazing is that leads you to one of a few ways to kill your target but you don't have to do that and the amount of time it takes to do that it's just so cool because then there's one where i shoot this person into the grave there's one time where i used like a, a camera to take them out and just it's it's wild. So that is my favorite one also because it's just one target. You don't have to take out multiples. So you can get in and out very quickly. It's the only one I've actually five-starred on, which is kind of funny. <laughs> A lot of my comments on my my Hitman video are about, about uh, what's it called? About the Christmas tree, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> but yeah, let's see here. What else do we got here in the comments? Um, a lot of people like that I censored the... Uh, the targets and the story bits like I, I censored pretty much everything in this video um, just because I know some people are invested in hitman lore. Some people are invested in the targets that you're killing. And so I just want to make sure I respected that. Um, I'm trying to see here. Underrated channel. Thank you. That's cool. Yeah. A lot of people. I don't know. This video had a lot of positive reception compared to uh, other reviews. And I think maybe it's because we're coming out from the uh, the, the the smog of cyberpunk where we can now kind of rejoice in something new and talk about a new game. So I think there was some excitement there. A lot of comments about the Sly Cooper music I used, which was awesome. Um, yeah, I love the skit I did. A lot of people seem to really like that. But um, yeah, when when you really just... Yeah, when I look at it, yeah, like 2K likes, 26K views, a lot of people with positive comments. Of course, I'm sure if I hit... Hold on, I gotta refresh the page. This could be funny. <laughs> I'm sure if I hit like newest first, that's where like a lot of the the spam filter comments kind of start to roll in, and we start to see a, a bunch of negative people. Like, oh, here we go. It's the first game of 2021. Of course, it's going to be. I don't know about you all, but there have been some games that started off this year in a pretty poor fashion. Like, I think of uh, Dragon Ball Z Kakarot. I really like that game, but it got repetitive really, really quickly. Um, but yeah, a lot of people also agree, like Paul wrote in saying, this is definitely the best bang for your buck. I'm loving it, especially with the missions from the other two games and the upgraded engine. I didn't expect to see uh, people to see me sneaking in the mirror. Yeah, this is the comment I was talking about. And yes, Sapienza alone makes it worth it. Um, yeah. <laughs> see, some people make it so obvious they don't listen to you. I'm looking at this comment now saying, um, this video is false. Hitman 1 and 2 are not included, which I clearly say in the first minute of the video that if you are on PC, you get them for free <laughs> and you get the 80% discount. But if you're on consoles, that is not the case at all. But anyway, with that said, um, that's all I've got to say on Hitman 3. Um, not much more I was playing. I'm trying to think. Uh, again, nothing, nothing really. So why not just roll right into the news? We had a busy Friday. Normally, we have news throughout the week, but honestly, when I was going back, I look at stuff that uh, has, has been tweeted out, stuff that maybe flew under the radar, and uh, nothing really caught my attention. So Friday really saved the show here. So the first thing, and of course, one of the most uh, important happenings in gaming is Xbox Live Gold receiving a price increase. Okay, so of course, I finish recording this podcast, I render it out after editing it a little bit, I upload it on our Patreon Early Access, I upload it on YouTube, I upload it on our audio services, and then Microsoft reverses their whole decision with Xbox Live Gold. Now, because I care about this show and I don't want you all to have a boring segment to listen to, it may be 2 a.m. right now, but I want to add this section in to make sure my thoughts are updated, so for those of you listening later on in the week, you have something current to listen to. But I want to keep my rant 
on Xbox Live Gold intact just for the sake of the show itself because I still think the thoughts I shared there and my reaction to it was important because Microsoft should still have their feet held to the flame for this. So they did reverse their decision of raising the price of Xbox Live Gold, which is a good thing, but a lot of people were quick to go, oh, Microsoft, yes, this is why you are the best. And it is good that they listen to the consumers. We spoke, we let them know how we felt about their decision, and they listened. That is a good thing, right? I commend Microsoft for listening, but this is it doesn't change that this was still a decision that should have never, ever, 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 ever happened. It shouldn't have. They added no value up front. And it's another case, and I'll talk about this a lot more throughout the year even. It's another case, especially in the last two months, where we're seeing these companies test how much they can get away with. So we obviously saw it, and I don't mean to keep spinning circles around this game. We're going to be talking about it later in the show with the patch. But we saw it with Cyberpunk. We saw a developer earn years of goodwill by treating their consumers right. At times, I think, talking out of both sides of their mouth. Actually, not even at times. Many times, talking out of both sides of their mouth. But we saw a company that was, for the most part, treating consumers well. And they build up this goodwill, and you think they care because so many people buy in. And then we see them pull a fast one. They tried to do it with Cyberpunk's release, right? Here's this buggy, broken game. Release it anyway. People won't care. People did care because people aren't idiots. This is the idea companies don't seem to understand. Consumers aren't these blind sheep that come in masses and don't think for themselves and follow everything you say and don't argue everything. That's not how it works. So Microsoft, after years of goodwill, went ahead and said, let's see if they care. And they bumped up the Xbox Live Gold prices, even if it was like a dollar a month, right? When you think about it this way, let's say you got 15 million members on Xbox Live Gold. Guess what? That's $15 million a month. Math. I know. Probably, I probably did something wrong there, right? Like, I'm, I'm nervous. Anytime I try to math on any show, I'm like, oh, God. Okay, $1 from 15, different, 15 million different people. Yes, that's 15 million extra dollars. <laughs> anyway, more seriously speaking, so they wanted to see how much they can get, get away with. And so that's my problem here. Yeah, Xbox is still great. I still love what Microsoft's been doing with value. You know, their Xbox All Access program is fantastic. You know, an interest-free program for you to pay monthly to afford a next-gen console is unheard of. And so that's great. Game Pass is still fantastic. This doesn't take away from the things they've done, but it just shows that they are still a company. So I want to put that first and foremost. I ha- I tried to hammer it into people's heads with Cyberpunk for, for years, and I got a lot of shit for it. And only, I think, now were people listening after we all got burned. And look, I'm not acting high and mighty. I got burned by Cyberpunk to some extent, too, in a completely different way, more on the content side, I think, than actually the uh, the, the game itself, because my expectations were high, but I'd say more in the moderate high area. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, that's what's most disappointing to me, was Microsoft, um, who has tons of money, they, they, they did not need to do this, and they still went for it. Um, it's a little worrisome. It definitely is. But the good news is they did respond quickly, I like when a company responds swiftly. They don't drag it out. Uh, I'm going to make a sports analogy here. Um, but for those of you who, who pay attention, New York Mets signed a GM. Uh, his name is Jared Porter. And then uh, it was revealed that, let's just say, he had some pretty gross misconduct. And uh, the new owner of the New York Mets had said that he will have no um, no, no acceptance of any misbehaviors. And he was like, I, I don't want – I want – people to work uh, right and, and all this stuff, like pretty much not allowing the type of conduct this guy was uh, doing. And he immediately fired him. 
and I, I appreciate when companies act swiftly. So uh, that's the one part I liked about this. Furthermore, Xbox decided to remove the lock on free-to-play games, uh, something that I highlighted in my video. Uh, they were pretty much doing a self-inflicted wound, and I think they realized it after the fact uh, with Xbox Live Gold and upping that price tag because it's like, hey, Halo Infinite has free-to-play multiplayer, but you have to pay for Xbox Live Gold to get in. So this is great news for Halo Infinite, which now people can access across the board for free. I feel I feel like these console memberships are behind, and if Xbox was truly listening, a lot of people were saying, okay, we we didn't care about gold because we were so obsessed with Game Pass, but now you've tried to increase the price. People are saying, just get rid of the whole thing. So I'm hoping Xbox listened to that part as well, because gold is kind of out of date, as is PS Plus. I, I, I like, and I say this later, I believe, that PS Plus add is, adds the uh, PS collection. I think that's a good thing. Uh, for the service, because you sign up, and if you don't own any games, now you have access to like 20-some-odd games, and they're pretty good games in that bunch. Um, so at least if they increased the price, they added some value there. Xbox did not do that, or they tried to with an extra game, but we talk about that later for sure. Um, so yeah, they did repeal. Um, they did change uh, what they were originally going to do, and it was swift, but they should not be commended for this because it was a stupid idea in the first place. Now to address the conspiracy theories. Um, that's what I saw afterwards. You, know, you you think Xbox did this just for the good PR? Come on, man, do you think these people want to, want to be working late on a Friday night? <laughs> it was it was announced on a Friday. In that write-up, they knew there was going to be blowback. Why did they know that? Because there wasn't a direct person behind the article on the Xbox News page. Any post on Xbox News, go ahead and look. It's always from a certain employee, but no one wanted the direct blowback. So internally, they already knew this was going to be an issue. They released it anyway, like I said before, just to see how far can we get with this? How far will our consumers let us go? We spoke loud and clear. This is enough. You cannot do this just because Game Pass rocks. It's just that simple. You may have the best value. That doesn't mean that we can accept this price increase here. I think they would have been better off trying to increase Game Pass by a dollar. I think people would have been like, oh, all right, all right, that's fine, you know, because there's so much value here. I think people would have been more accepting. Would have been disappointing? Yeah. And I get why they wouldn't have wanted to move that very attractive price tag. But if they're talking about what they could have gotten away with and increased their bottom line, this was it. <laughs> it really was it. And so, yeah, I, I don't think this was some conspiracy theory to get good PR because they already had it. They already had it. And I'm not saying Microsoft's perfect. Like, they were the ones who introduced paying for memberships and shit. Like, yeah, they 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 have their flaws. All companies do, for sure. But... Microsoft was riding a good PR wave, right? Like the biggest hype moment was absolutely when they got Bethesda and, and people are very excited for their future and Game Pass continues to be awesome. On Defining Duke, we highlighted like so many amazing games coming to Game Pass just this month. Like uh, I think it's called Cyber Shadow. Um, they have the Medium coming out. They have Yakuza 3, 4, 5 Remaster, Donut County. They have Control on PC. Like this is all happening this month. That's crazy. So they don't need good PR. So in my eyes, like, no, this wasn't some galaxy brain move. They got greedy and they got burned. It's that simple. Uh, I'm very shocked that people even let that conspiracy theory carry that far. Um, but yeah, generally, that's all there is to say. I was going to make a video on it when it happened, but I was like, no, like, I just need to leave up the original, which is clearly stating, like, this is not okay. You know, I don't need to make a follow-up video, overwork myself to be like, thank you for repealing the very stupid thing you did, right? You played a stupid game, you got a stupid prize. <laughs> it's that simple. So uh, with that, I don't think I have more to add other than I'm happy they repealed it. I think Halo Infinite will benefit from this a lot. It's a, it's a slight win for that. Uh, it does 
have Xbox Live Gold catching up in a certain area. It's not even like you can go like, oh, it's a win for Xbox. No, no, it's not. Like they they were behind in this category. It's good they updated their service. It's good they listened. And I think the next step of listening is just hey, get rid of Gold, roll it into Game Pass Ultimate. Um, but yeah, the public apologies were out. Like I'm pretty sure if I go to Phil Spencer's Twitter account, you know, that's what Xbox is good at, right? They're they're good at trying to you know say the meaningful right things like let's here let's let's fire up phil's twitter account here i I like phil obviously you know i'm a big fan of phil i think many people are um he said apologies for all the angst and emotion uh this caused for our customers as always we appreciate the feedback this is a good learning opportunity for us and we will learn from it um i just you know as head of xbox this had to have crossed his desk and i i don't understand why he would have thought it was okay and phil's human you know look i'm not gonna act like he's impervious to any wrongdoings but phil's human uh, but at the same time i don't know how this gets across your desk and you don't go like hold on this is this is not right yeah the original t from xbox says today was not great we always try to do our best for you and today we missed that mark we hear you and we're reversing our xbox live gold pricing updates to bring xbox live more in line with how we see the player at the center of their experience. We will be removing gold requirements for free-to-play games. We're starting work on that immediately, and we'll have updates in the coming months. Um, so, yeah, see, this is what I mean by the PR here. Just, like, just eat it and walk away, right? Eat it and walk away. This whole, to bring Xbox Live more in line with how the player is at the center of their experience. Come on. Look, you fucked up, and that's it. Like, you don't got to blow smoke up our ass after that. So, anyway, um, that is just the update that I wanted to toss into our show here. Um, and now the rest of the regular Xbox Live Gold rant will continue. So I hope you all enjoyed this little segment. And now time for Past Maddie to speak. Peace out. Um, this one was very, very surprising. I got to say, it's, you know, it's rare, right? Like, especially, uh, pardon the pun, by the way, it's rare. But it is rare that I feel like I am shocked in a negative way by something in the games industry. But absolutely in this case, I, I was. Uh, so let me bring up the Xbox Wire article. In the meantime, quick thoughts. I got to say that uh, this is extremely disappointing. And also, I understand the balance act that they have to perform, right? They've, they've got so many games on Game Pass. They need to, like, buoy things up a little bit. But I don't know. I just I feel like with, with Xbox Live Gold... Um, it's an obsolete service. It was already not doing much more than than PlayStation Plus. Um, and all Microsoft did was increase the price and not add more. At least you can say PlayStation added the PS Plus collection, which could have maybe justified their own little price hike, even though now they're saying, um, I think it was towards the end of last year, Jim Ryan said that they were working on some type of Game Pass competitor, which will be interesting to see how that goes. Um, but anyway... On the Xbox News website, they wrote uh, how pretty much if you're an existing online 12-month or 6-month member for Xbox Live Gold, there's no price change. Uh, the price of 1-month gold membership is increasing by a dollar, and the price of a 3-month membership is increasing by 5 Now, this is misleading because if you look at the full price tag, you're paying $11 for a month, $30 for 3 months. Pardon me. I just had dinner, as you could tell. And $60 for 6 months, which makes it... $120 for a whole year because they ditched annual memberships. Now, what's obvious here is they're trying to push you towards Game Pass Ultimate. I said this in my whole video. Game Pass Ultimate 
is the best value right now in games. Funny, this whole podcast is just talking about value, value, value. Um, Game Pass Ultimate is really uh, the best value, I think, in gaming right now. And even though Xbox Live Gold really sucks at this point, um, it's funny because now they're owning like one of the most overpriced services in Xbox Live Gold, which is, like I said, $11. You spend four more dollars, you get Game Pass on PC, Xbox, your phone. You get that whole library of games. You get Xbox Live Gold. So in Microsoft eyes, either you're saying that Xbox Live Gold truly is worth $11 or Game Pass is worth 4 <laughs> So I don't know. I would take it as more so X, uh, Game Pass is an $11 subscription and 4 extra dollars for um, gold. But, you know, it's just interesting because what they're doing here is trying to, to roll you into Game Pass Ultimate to make you say, what the hell is this? No, I don't want to pay this much. Okay, I'll pay a couple extra bucks and I'll get Xbox Live, or I'm sorry, Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, uh, which, oh, wow, look at all these cool deals. It's to get people off of gold so they can eventually axe the service, but they're trying to just milk it dry for what it's got left. Um, what's funny here is you can tell this, that they're wearing it all on their sleeve. They might as well have came out with a picture of the shirt on their, on their, uh, picture on their shirt just saying, fuck gold, sign up for Game Pass, because they say, if, you've, if you'd like to upgrade your gold membership to Xbox, uh, oh my God, why can't I? I read if you'd like to upgrade your gold membership to xbox game pass ultimate your remaining gold time will also convert directly to ultimate up to 36 months for example if you have 11 months of xbox live gold you can now upgrade to xbox game pass ultimate those 11 months convert to 11 months of ultimate at no additional cost so my tip would be actually to just go out and buy a ton of Xbox Live Gold, and then switch over to Ultimate. The reason you want to do that is just because I think ultimately you'll save some money compared to that $4 increase into Ultimate, and that'll add up month over month, right? Someone else can uh, do the math. That's 48 bucks a year times three. I'm going to try to do the math here. I'm um, doing, what am I at right now? I'm going to be at 120 and then eight times three, 144 bucks. And look, what I want to do is put in your head what can you spend 144 bucks on? So that's a way to save a little bit of money, comparatively speaking, to Xbox Live Gold. Um, and this is unfortunate because it also damages uh, one of Xbox's main flagship releases this year, being Halo Infinite. Halo Infinite needs all the support it can get. Not because it, it's struggling. I think the game's actually going to look and re-reveal quite well. Uh, it's more so that it has free-to-play multiplayer, and guess what? You gotta buy gold at the very minimum to do the Halo multiplayer free-to-play stuff. Any free-to-play game, Fortnite, Warzone, Smite, now you're gonna have Halo Infinite in that bunch where people gotta buy into this crappy service. So at least it'd be a little more easier to swallow if they're like, we're gonna allow free-to-play games to go through. There's certain things you can do. Like, that's what PlayStation does, right? You can access certain online elements, I believe, but there's certain things that you can only get with plus i would like to see xbox try to justify why there's such a wide gap between them and ps plus i would really really be keen on seeing that i would just love for both of these platforms to just say fuck it with these services and get rid of them and let us pay for playstation collection and let us pay for xbox game pass those are fine because i'm paying for something but the idea to pay to be online is terrible and i i feel stupid for just coming coming to grips with that and realizing that uh but you know, fingers crossed that uh, that Xbox responds. I'm sure they will. I mean, they, they, here's the thing is I pointed this out in my video. If you go to the top, um, the title is Update on Xbox Live Gold Pricing. Um, and they say it's by the Xbox Live Gold team. 
And I bet if I went into any of the Xbox Wire write-ups, um, like here, coming soon to Game Pass. Let's see, is this from the Game Pass team? No, it's from Megan Spur, community lead, Xbox Game Pass. So they knew there would be huge blowback here. I'll grab this week on Xbox. Let's see who this is by. This is by Mike Nelson, Xbox Wire editor. Yeah, so point being is they knew there would be a ton of blowback, and they were just like, okay, everyone, hide. We're the Xbox Live gold team. Do you even have a gold team? Like, come on. You're going to try to tell me they got a team dedicated to this service? Nah, nah. Maybe you got a team dedicated to picking out games for gold because, I mean, that's uh, that's quite the uh, that's quite the service there too. Um, so, yeah, that's the other way they've tried to justify this price increase. They said they're going to give us more for games with gold. So I'm looking right now, and they're saying games with gold, $104.95 in value with 5,060 gamer score. So you get Resident Evil HD, you get Dandera, you get Gears 5, you get Indiana Jones and the Emperor's Tomb. Buy that game, or, or download it. Sorry, not buy it. Don't buy it. Download it. Really good game. And... You get Lost Planet 2. Lost Planet 2 is actually fire. So this is actually a good collection of games, by the way. But I'm sorry, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like an idiot. Oh, now I'm going to pay all that money. That's This is it, right? Like, three Xbox One games um, slash Series X games. Great. That's that's good, right? That's, that's more of that. I would like to see them, exp- if they did this and said, like, it's because we're expanding our backwards compatible initiative, there's legal hoops we got to leap through to get the rights to to redo some of these games and get them working on our hardware. Like, if there was something like that, that, that kind of added, just what I'm looking for here is that added value to justify a, a price increase, right? And what they're doing is saying, we're giving you one more game per month when you have Game Pass, which gives you, like, hundreds. And that's the issue is that gold was, like, all right, I guess, in the idea that, you had that. You had PlayStation Plus. They were both kind of doing the same thing. Here's a free batch of games a month. Here's your online enabled service, whatever, um, and all that BS. Um, but now, but now with Game Pass, it just kind of wipes out what Gold is doing. At least right now with Sony, and they packaged in PS Plus collection. And I don't know what they're apparently doing with their their Game Pass competitor, but right now they're in an okay situation where they've added value to that subscription fee where if it got bumped up, people would be like, okay, well, we got PS Plus. We get the, the games every month. Now we got PS Collection. So if you're new to PlayStation, you sign up to that, you have a whole batch of games to dive into and good ones at that. Like Bloodborne's on that list. Hello, Bloodborne. But with Game Pass, it has pretty much cannibalized what Xbox Live Gold is. So what I would do is just wipe out gold, Put it in Game Pass Ultimate. I think more people than not would have no issue signing up for this. And I think why there has been so much blowback is because a lot of people expected Game Pass, or I'm sorry, Gold to get axed. And it didn't. And it did the opposite thing. It got a price increase, which may insinuate it's like here to stay, which I don't think anyone wants. So really disappointing news on the Xbox front. As someone who runs a Xbox podcast now, Defining Duke, sorry if I'm mentioning this a lot lately. I just want to make sure I get it out there, right? We've started this new thing. Um, I talked about this on Extra Slice of Ham, but we start this new thing. And um, for those of you who have been longtime listeners, you'll remember right when we were bringing Dustin on, we were talking about maybe rebranding the show, right? Because it started off with me, Noah, alone, and it had its own DNA back then, right? Like, it was a dumb podcast. We were idiots. We were immature. We'd say stupid things, do stupid things. Um, and over time, it matured into its own kind of gaming news 
podcast. And we're seeing some of our best consistent numbers in a long while. Uh, the fact that we're pushing past 10,000 listeners every single week is actually substantial. This used to be like a three to 5,000 listener show when it was just me and Carrick for a while. Like we didn't, we'd have like an eventual episode pop off here or there. Like I remember our Spider-Man puddle gate episode did really well. And that was like an outlier. I think it did like 20K, but even last year, like with Cyberpunk and stuff, we had like a couple of 30K episodes. That was awesome. So, you know, it's really neat to see how our show has evolved. But to my original point of this mentioning of Defining Duke a lot is that um, we talked about with the Ham Radio podcast rebranding at one point, like redoing the name, the, the segments, the structure. And eventually we decided this is just a fun laid back show and people are just here to talk about games hear our thoughts on games and we should just embrace that. So we didn't, it kind of picked our show up when we got Dustin. So I think we've only gotten better with our banter and, and, and our focus on news and thoughtful discussion and kind of jabbing at one another. Um, so I think we made the right choice there. And so when we were approached uh, or rather when I just started discussing with Colin about starting defining Duke and what that could mean, I'm, I'm just very hungry with the show. Like, that's the best way to define it. Like, with this show, I want it to grow because I think it's a great laid-back podcast where we can just talk gaming news, kind of the major hitters. There's no kind of, I don't want to say allegiance, but leaning of discussion towards one platform or another. Um, whereas with Xbox, I think we're diving into a market that, I know it's going to sound crazy now because we got, like, Xbox Live Gold issues here. Um, but we're diving into this market that that I think a lot of people are excited to see what happens next in. Um, because we have the Bethesda acquisition, which, you know, I'm a Bethesda guy. I've done so much Bethesda content. Obsidian, I'm an Obsidian guy. In Exile, I made a ton of Wasteland 3 videos. Um, so they, there are so many companies that within Xbox that I think a lot of people are interested in. The future of Bethesda, the future of ZeniMax. Um, of course, new acquisitions they made. Like, what is uh, Compulsion Games working on? What's ha- going to happen with Halo Infinite? Uh, they've got so many other indie studios there. And uh, what's going to happen with Hellblade 2? There's a lot of stuff in the future that I think people are excited about. So we're just hungry with our show and people are already enjoying it with news being pretty slow. Most significant thing we had was Indiana Jones. But what's funny is why I bring you all this up is that our biggest week is going to be on something that's awful for Xbox probably. And that's going to be the Xbox Live Gold price changes. So that'll be fun to have an extended discussion with Carrick on that uh, when we get around to that next Thursday for patrons and Sunday for those who would like to listen on free feeds but with that enough on xbox live gold if you want a more jokey kind of uh off the walls ranty video um that goes into a couple of other points i have one on my channel so feel free by all means to check that out now water break ladies and gentlemen hold on Mm. hell yeah needed a little bit of water because right before that uh we're, we're getting into some some really crappy news so, I know a lot of you out there are really big fans of the Tony Hawk Pro Skater HD game. Uh, the remake, rather. Sorry, I almost did it again there. I not even almost did it. I did do it. Um, and so, I left that out of our best remakes, sadly, in our Ham Radio Awards. <laughs> and so, now we're learning that Vicarious Visions, who was known for the Tony Hawk 1 and 2 remake, is going to be fully dedicated to Blizzard titles going forward now this write-up comes from gamesindustry.biz they say activision blizzard has moved its vicarious vision studio from the activision side to the business uh i'm sorry to the side of the business to um blizzard and they say that today the publisher told gamesindustry.biz that it was effective 
today. Going forward, Vicarious Visions team of 200 people um, will be fully dedicated to existing Blizzard games and initiates, which means that the Tony Hawk 1 and 2 studio will no longer be creating games as the lead developer. Quote, after collaborating with Vicarious Visions for some time and developing a great relationship, Blizzard realized there was an opportunity for Vicarious to provide long-term support, end quote. A representative explained to us they declined to specify what the team had been working on with Blizzard or for how long. As part of the move, Vicarious Vision studio head Jen O'Neill has been promoted to Blizzard Executive President of Development, where she joins the company's leadership team and will, and will report directly to Blizzard President J. Allen Brack. O'Neill is being replaced in the Vicarious Vision studio head role by Simon uh, Ebiger, who previously served as the chief operating officer of the studio. And this was a studio that was acquired by Activision in 2005 and has worked on many of the publisher's biggest franchises, including Guitar Hero, Spider-Man, Tony Hawk, Crash Bandicoot, Destiny, Skylanders, and Call of Duty. And it's interesting. They're a New York studio. They're in Albany. Yeah. So if you're like a, you know, higher up in the company, they're probably very thrilled with this move because a lot of people just got very rich off of this. A lot of people made a lot of good money off of this. Um, and they're going to continue to make money off of this. And I don't even want to say, usually when you see a move like this, there's that underlying, like, okay, they got job security. And I think that's kind of the case here with Blizzard. You do have these existing popular IP, like a Diablo, like an Overwatch, that type of stuff. That is going to excite people. Uh, World of Warcraft, um, that is going to excite people and remain relevant. But you can't even say, like, with what happened with crash bandicoot with what happened with tony hawk these were super successful games and you're gonna take the talent who did that off of it um some people were just like well what's the big deal right like you know it's about your perspective no no i think this is i think this is bad for all around like you've taken people off of uh, like you've limited the amount of projects that can drive active activision blizzard money you know and i'm sure they're not going to fully abandon tony hawk but the idea that the people who made one and two's remake aren't going to be doing three and fours is kind of like worrisome. Uh, Cause I imagine three and four is going to get a remake. That seems like the next logical step, you know, one and two seemed to for a lot of people to be a pleasant surprise, a uh, pleasant surprise that I, I sadly kind of ignored, didn't really talk about it, didn't play it. And um, I think it's just because I, I haven't had an itch for Tony Hawk. I'm more of a skate one guy. I love skate one's camera perspective. I love all the, 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 the shoots that you can do to get sponsors and, all the customization and, and finding your own spots within an open world. Uh, that just vibes with me a lot, lot more than the arcading nature of Tony Hawk does. Although I did grow up on these games and they are really good. Um, I just found this very disappointing. I mean, there's not much to add to it other than I think that um, this will give people security and this will make a lot of people a lot more wealthier and it'll, uh, it'll, it'll leave a couple of series that were doing well, high and dry. Uh, we do know that Toys for Bob is handling the Crash franchise. Um, we just saw them release Crash 4, which I'm not sure how well that actually ended up doing because, quite honestly, it sort of came and went. It seemed like before launch there was a decent amount of hype for it, but now uh, there's been not much discussion at all. So what we're really looking at here is Tony Hawk. And uh, I don't know if Tony Hawk is one of those series can just anyone handle because a lot of people like some of the very specific changes that came with the remake. And I think that takes, you know, synergy with the right minds. And if they're still there in this short period of time, which they should be, then um, 
I did wonder about that. Plus, I I wanted my uh, American Wasteland remake, remaster, whatever you want to call it at some point, because that is the one that truly matters, right? Taking off all these different uh, parts of the world and bringing them to the ultimate skate park. Shit was awesome. I dug it big time. Uh, But anyway, not really much more I can add there other than just pure disappointment. So with that, let's get into another bit of news here. Cyberpunk 2020, 2021, (laughs) kind of, right? With how broken the year has already been. Cyberpunk 2077 received uh, its first patch. This is patch 1.1. So they've been getting hot fixes. Uh, I guess you could say they've already gotten patches, but um, I think there is a difference there. Uh, But this update, we'll call it for more general speak here, uh, brings a number of changes to the table, most notably on the stability front. Now they're promising various stability improvements for all platforms here. So allow me to go ahead and bring up the patch notes, which, oh my gosh, what these websites, have you ever gone onto a website, right? You want to see the actual source material. Like you don't want to read the journalistic write up. That's no offense to any writer, but you just, you just want to go ahead and, and simply read the, the, the fine print from the company itself. But instead you get like, hyperlinks into hyperlinks into hyperlinks bringing you to like eight articles it's like okay you got my ad revenue anyway patch 1.1 notes mention stability improvements like memory usage improvements in various systems within the game uh they have open world and quest fixes so a lot of quest fixes here uh the ui has had some adjustments like removing an invalid item from the loot uh fixing an issue where you could not see the exit for brain dancing uh the button that you would have to press rather the prompt uh achievement fixes have been brought some visual fixes have been brought into the table couple miscellaneous ones like addressing an issue that was responsible for saves getting oversized uh, and trim the excess size from the existing saves but this will not actually fix any corrupted save files so some of you out there may know already that i uh, made a video on cyberpunk 2077 having a huge save bug in fact uh, just given the timing of um where we were with our show um, and how we needed to have episodes ready for while I was away. I decided to actually just hold off on a podcast entirely and instead upload uh, that video. Cause I was like, yo, even if you're liking the game, uh, which I imagine a lot of people did, even if you're enjoying it though, uh, you can end up breaking your own game just by playing and enjoying it. So what's great here is that they have indeed fixed that. They also fixed an issue where input could stop registering upon uh, opening the weapon wheel and performing an action, uh, which would definitely really suck if you were in combat. Uh, fixed an issue where the continue button, the main menu, this one's hilarious, could load an endgame save. How the how the fuck does that happen? Read that again. Read that again, Maddie. Fixed an issue where the continue button in the main menu could load an endgame save. What? Think about that. Imagine you're like halfway through your playthrough, you hit continue, and suddenly you're at the end game. Like where in the end game? That's fascinating. Uh, there are also PlayStation, Xbox, and PC specific uh, fixes, as well as Stadia. As well as Stadia. Stadia got some fixes as well. You know, the the, the system that seemingly has one of the better versions of Cyberpunk, which is kind of funny. Um, it got some fixes, so that's good and all. Uh, but yeah, ultimately, patch 1.1 dropped. I will have a video on this, or by the time you're all watching this, I've already had a video on this. So, yeah, it's just um, one of those things where I'm, I'm crossing my fingers that CD Projekt Red really figures it out, right? You know, I, I have made it no secret. 
I really have no problem saying I like that game a lot. Cyberpunk 2077 was awesome in my experience. It was such an awesome game, and it's just that all these problems have made it so difficult to uh, to talk about the game and its merits, um, and that's you know rightfully so, right? It's it's a busted ass game right now, uh, and so of course the conversation should be there. Uh, just I, I hope that people do get to experience it, and I hope more so that people are open to experiencing it. I totally get, by the way, I don't say this like I, I you know. I don't respect if you don't, uh, but I just hope people are open to experiencing it because I think there is something worth playing there. But if people don't, I totally get it because CD Projekt Red, burn them, burn everyone, everyone from reviewers to content creators to press to consumers, everyone in the path got scorched, literally. That's no hyperbole, right? From the hiding of the console copies to the bugs and glitches to the barely functioning versions of the games to forcing it out for corporate to now the exposés that have been dropped by uh, Jason Schreier highlighting the internal uh, chaos, we'll just say, uh, with this game and then the apology videos and now a patch fucking uh, roadmap, an update roadmap. Like, that's embarrassing, man. That's what it really is. And so it sucks because underneath all of that, yeah, I, I hate when games are like this, right? Because I remember with Battlefront 2, when that came out, right? Battlefront 2 was, you know, it was buggy at times, but more importantly, it was just riddled with microtransactions, and a lot of these systems were just baked into the pay-to-win system. Like, it was just baked in there, and I was like, this game plays, looks, feels, and represents so many parts of Star Wars that I love so much, and it's so much better than the first one, but oh my god, like the, the pay to win stuff, like you couldn't defend it. Right. And you don't want to defend it. Right. It's like indefensible. It should never be defended. No one should be making excuses for this company. And it's that same situation here. I've seen a lot of, yeah, buts online, you know, yeah, but the game's good. It's like, you can say two things are true at once, right? Like the game can be good and the game can also be very broken for a lot of different experiences. Like I played it on PC, PC is like your save is bad as I'm sure you've already heard. Uh, but it's just like one of those things, man, where every time I see the patch, I'm just like, a little pissed off. I'm just like, man, you know, cause you can't help but wonder what could have been. And it sucks because they're definitely, they're definitely going to ramp up for some type of relaunch, right? With the, the way the next gen updates look in the way it's all, it's all shaping up here. We're getting these updates out for like the, the, the current gen stuff, the last gen stuff. And then we have the big next gen update coming out soon. It's just like, man, they're going to actually probably try to repackage this game. And by that, I mean like a newly printed disc for PS5. Because what happened, and I think this has gotten lost in the conversation, we got to remember, if you don't have access to the internet, there are printed physical copies of Cyberpunk out there that are unpatched, that are horrifically broken. Horrifically broken. You know, and and I know games, like we live in an age where like games get patched and, and they should run and function better um, over time. And, and adjust to consumer feedback. We do live in that modern age where, where games should shift. A lot of people go like, well, the PS2 games didn't need patches. Uh, Silent Hill, I think a Budokai game needed patches. And when they reprinted their disc for greatest hits, they got patches. So this was a thing even back then. It was just a lot more of a different process. And in fact, CD Projekt Red may go through with that, right? Because we have these unpatched versions on discs that came out, right? They went gold. They printed the disc. Then they delayed the game. They did more work on patches. And then they released it to the public. So these unpatched versions are just running around out there. Millions of copies at that. And so I just got to wonder if they actually are going to just reprint everything. Uh, a patched version, a newly patched version on PS4, on Xbox. 
And how do you distinguish that on the case? Do you do a new box art? Because the box art was hideous, right? I remember before when everyone was just like hyped on everything cyberpunk. Uh, that when the box art came out, even that was like, Oof. I agree. I agree. I, re- I really thought that that box art was horrendous. Just the, the, the bright yellow highlighter color. Yellow's not, yellow's eye-catchy in the wrong way. Like blue's a good eye-catchy color. Yellow is not. But yeah, Cyberpunk 2077, I really do hope it figures its shit out because I like it a lot. You know, I played it. I uh, I, I put like 80 hours into it, um, did most of the side shit, and um, I was like, all right, I guess that's it until they do the DLC updates, which sucks because around this time, these next couple of weeks, we could have been getting that. Um, but instead, uh, we're getting updates and patches, and then we're going to get all the DLC. And what's interesting, another thing people aren't considering here is that the DLC, based on the timelines, dropping sometime in like maybe in April, maybe in May, March the earliest. And so I look at that and think to myself, well, let's look at some of the games that are starting to come out. That's where things are going to start to get hot. I think May supposedly has Far Cry 6. We now know May has Resident Evil. May has something else as well. We got Nier coming out, Persona 5 Strikers for all you weebs out there. Hell yeah, there's going to be two great weeb games coming out. Um, Things are starting to heat up. A little bit. And so I'm forgetting what is the other May game. Hold on. Hold on. This is going to bug the hell out of me. There's always that one game. Uh, May Games 2021. Let's let's see what comes out. What am I forgetting here? Deathloop. There we go. That's it. Deathloop. Deathloop is exclusive on PS5 and on consoles at least. And then it's coming to PC as well. Um, Yeah. I just... I got to say, man, uh, I, I worry a little bit for Cyberpunk where it, it could be one of those. Um, it's so strange because will CD Projekt Red over deliver? That's what they've got to do. Will they do a No Man's Sky and just keep going and keep pushing free stuff out and keep like going, what, that's free and what, that's free. And oh, my God, that's free. And for years, think of what Hello Games and No Man's Sky had to do. I'm sorry, but they're just the best comparison. They have had a resurgence. They have bounced back. They are in the good graces of gamers, and rightfully so. While they fucked up early on, I believe in forgiveness, right? Like, even for CD Projekt Red, they can earn, I think, a lot of people back, but they gotta over-deliver, treat the consumer with actual respect and not this lip service that, you know, I and a couple others called out over the last years or so and actually, you know, walk the walk. So I trust that they can do that. It's just that they really have to, you know, convince maybe the shareholders that that's a necessary move if they want to make more money in the future because what i'm worrying about is that you know there's this ticking clock in the background here and i call it the cyberpunk multiplayer mode right cyberpunk's multiplayer mode is just ticking in the background it's like we have a limited time window to get the single player version right get it out there over deliver on value win people back and then do our multiplayer mode which i don't think a lot of people really asked for and even more so now which will have its own set of issues will have its own set of bad PR, just like any game, really. But in this case, I'm thinking like a GTA Online. I remember when that dropped, it was busted, super busted, big time busted. I was I was so disappointed. I remember coming home from school and just waiting in like a parking lot or something, and I couldn't spawn in. It's just terrible. But it's because so many people were signing on. Not only that, but microtransactions have already been confirmed for Cyberpunk Online. So you got that as well. How egregious are these going to be? CD Projekt Red lost a ton of money. And investors are pissed off. They will continue to reach. You can bet on that. You can bet on that. 
So you have to have that weird balance of over-delivering on value, making your money in a single-player game, not even a live-service game or an evolving thing, a single-player game. And then your online component has microtransactions, the best way that you can make that money up. And we don't even know if that's going to be free, that online component, which then Xbox Live Gold becomes a bigger problem. (laughs) So yeah, it's just a revolving door of bullshit here in our industry, it seems like, this week. So not a lot of good news across the board, but news regardless so with that it's about it for the news like i said really for me not a week a lot was worth discussing i can double check though just i checked everything else and i'm like did i did i really get everything i'm sure there's like little nuggets of information these are the heavy hitters though um oh my god i can't believe i forgot this one wow wow maddie you should quit okay Wow, and I don't know how I actually missed this. I think because it's been so busy, a lot of news sites got buried. Let's talk about Resident Evil. Hello? Resident Evil. (laughs) I'm adding that to my notes right now. So yeah, Resident Evil was a a game I've been really looking forward to because I personally really enjoyed uh, Resident Evil 7. Uh, I replayed that game about three times now. They did a showcase back on Thursday with Resident Evil Village. They also did a relapse or whatever it's called. We'll talk about that after. But the main highlight of this showcase was, of course, Resident Evil Village. And I didn't bother watching the showcase. I had a feeling in my gut it would kind of under-deliver because I didn't think, you know, Resident Evil is a popular franchise and it did really well despite, like, Capcom talking about, like, under-delivering. It sold, like, five, six million copies, which is phenomenal for a freaking horror game, by the way. Um, But, you know... Despite all that, I don't think Resident Evil has, like, the power to be, like, we're dropping, like, two, three Resident Evil games in the next year, and people are going to buy all of them. Um, So, Capcom's really stacking up, right? You got Monster Hunter Rise, and you've got Resident Evil 8. Uh, Capcom's doing a phenomenal job. Resident Evil Village looks great uh, graphically, atmospherically, tension building looks really good. So, they dropped a trailer. They dropped some gameplay. They also showed off Relapse. Uh, the whole internet kind of collectively admitted, it seems like, that they're into um, older, older woman, um, as as everyone freaked about, freaked out about a taller vampire lady. And look, I'm not shaming anybody. I'm just saying everyone, uh, everyone collectively admitted that it looks like. Um, I made a joke online uh, on Twitter, just like a, it was a Squidward holding like an empty list, and I was like, "This is a list of people who haven't called tall vampire lady attractive," because it was everywhere. I was like, damn, y'all gamers will really, y'all are going for everybody now. Like, really? Like, even her? She literally pops out claws in her hand and people are like, stab me. I'm like, why? (laughs) Why? Please get away. (laughs) But to each their own, no disrespect there, just playing around. Uh, Resident Evil Village, on a more serious note, looks phenomenal. One of my most anticipated games of the year for sure. Um, They had a PlayStation 5 demo drop, and I don't even want to play it. Once they said, like, oh, there's no combat, uh, there's nothing there, it's just kind of to show you how the game works. I was already, and by that they mean, like, the visuals, the audio, I was already convinced of that with Resident Evil 7. Uh, The the Switch to first person, still a little, I don't want to say jarring, but I didn't connect to Ethan as much as I connected to prior Resident Evil characters, like Chris, like Leon, Claire, uh, to just name a few. I didn't connect with them. Uh, or I'm sorry, I didn't connect with Ethan as much as I connected with them. And I think because you can actually see the character and they're fully animated, it's not all from the first-person perspective. That's why. But on the same side of that coin, you've got this first-person gameplay that ups the tension, ups the immersion, makes it a little more 
crazy and it's like oh so i don't need any convincing it they sold me on their their new formula with resident evil 7 even if that was uh reportedly not a resident evil game at first and i kind of believe that because they didn't really have resident evil stuff in there and then just the end of the game happens and you're like oh oh so it is a resident evil game uh but if anything it was a great horror game you know, it was a great horror game. Played it three times. Loved it. Uh, so I didn't need to be sold on it more. May cannot come soon enough. Um, I liked how they added, like, pushing into it. Um, it just seemed like this whole idea of the castle, the snow, this village. Uh, it was all creepy um, and, and interesting. And like I said, I tried to just kind of skim over enough where I could know about it to talk about it, but not so much that I'm going to memorize it and analyze it and discuss it heavily because uh, I just want to get my hands on the game, hopefully for a review, and talk about it with everybody when it finally drops. But yeah, there is a demo on PS5 if you are curious. I've seen it takes about 20 minutes tops, so you can hop in that very quickly. But it was enough to create great PR. People were very excited talking about it all over online, playing it, sharing their thoughts. Um, and I don't know, I didn't think there was much to discuss. You know, I've taken poops longer than that demo, so that's my take on it. <laughs> but still, seeing demos come back is good. You know, there were, it, it's so weird. As we ushered ourselves more into the digital age, you thought demos would become more prevalent in, like, free trials. Like, Bethesda did free trials for – I remember they did one for Prey, and I was like, this is cool. You thought they'd do that more, uh, but they ended up doing it less. So it's good to see demos coming back. And I get why sometimes they don't because you have to like perfect like a, a vertical slice of the game and make sure you can safely release that. And people aren't going to dig into the files, reveal more about the game through data mining, uh, spoil stuff for people. And not only that, but it takes away from development time. So I get why it doesn't happen, but it would be much appreciated if they did it more often. Just so that more folks can get their hands on, you know, because like everyone talks about we had these shows, right, a PAX and E3 where people like myself and others could get their hands on games and we deliver our opinions. And it would just be so much better for all of you out there if you could just do it yourself. I know that effectively hurts myself and other creators, but I think as someone who's very pro-consumer, you know, it's not about just what benefits me to a certain extent and you. It's like, no, it's I want consumers to get demos, like demos, trials. I want you to experience those like pre-launch things that I play. I think that's important because... You know, the, the more eyes, the better. The conversation always evolves beyond the review, right? The review is like, this is what we feel day one. This is what, you know, people are saying day one. And then ha consumers get their hands on the game. And that, that conversation evolves as more standpoints are thrown in. More people play the game and, and see different things and, and showcase different things that others may have missed. It's just the nature of all those discussions. So I, I hope that down the line, more consumers can get involved in some way. And that companies don't try to spin in some type of uh, PR thing. So with that, those are my thoughts on Resident Evil. Now we can actually get into the patron questions in good conscience. Apologies for nearly forgetting that. Not good by Mr. Matty, but it's been a full day. I've recorded three different videos. I'm doing a podcast now. Um, fortunately, I'm not feeling like super exhausted. I think it's because I got good sleep last night. Good nine hours of sleep. So as always before these new segments when I'm doing this by myself, we take a drink. Ah, good stuff. All right. So let's see who wrote in first. Red Eyes, White Wolf. Hey, guys. I recently revisited a game from my childhood. The Fairly Odd Parents break into the rules and realized while playing that I had definitely remembered it differently. I still love it for nostalgic reasons, but it has not aged as well as I once thought. For my question, is there a game from your childhood that you were nostalgic for that upon revisiting did not hold up as well as you remembered? 
That is funny because that game I loved as a kid, but I looked at one screenshot and when I saw Timmy Turner's model, I was like, oh God, that was not as good as I remembered. Um, so a game that uh, I played and I have nostalgia for that I went back to and it wasn't as good as I remember. Man, I, I, I think there are a couple that uh, come to mind. I can think of one game that actually is more impressive than when I played as a kid. I played Batman Vengeance a lot as a kid. I mean, that is a game I had memorized like line for line. Word for word, bar for bar. I got that thing like memorized. And I was like, damn, I played this a lot. Like if it's stuck with me all the way up until I'm 25 now. And I played this when I was in. I lost my first tooth when I played that game. That game came out like 2001. I remember like, I remember playing and the tooth was hanging out by, hanging out by a strand. And I got so into a combat section, I swallowed my tooth. So anyway, went back to Batman Vengeance when I was sick and uh, when I fired it up, I got to say, I was like very, uh, I was very impressed by the cutscenes, by the storytelling, how dark it got. You get Mark Hamill in there. Uh, you get Kevin Conroy in there. Awesome game. Only about 10 bucks. Played it on PS2. Really good stuff. Would recommend giving it a look if you want to see some uh, decent Batman stuff. You know, it's no, it's no Arkham game, but it's, it's still pretty good. And its sequel is Batman Rise of Sin which is just kind of like a mindless beat em up, but really good sound effects. Anyway. Batman game history lesson done. Uh, so a game that I played that was not as great as what I once remembered. Whew. So there is a series that I really like a lot. I still love because of nostalgia, kind of like you, Red Eyes. And that's the Champion series. I love Champions of Norath, Champions Return to Arms. Maybe some of you haven't played those games and you've played instead Baldur's Gate, Dark Alliance 1 and 2. They're these Diablo-style beat-em-up games. You drop loot, you equip it, and you just keep cycling up. And, I'm sorry, cycling out equipment, leveling up your character. And it's good stuff. It's good stuff. But when I played Diablo 3, uh, the Ultimate Edition, whatever the hell they call it now, and the abilities they've got, and the flow to the gameplay, and the amount of enemies they send your way, and how much more balanced it is, too, or a torchlight, too, as well. Those games just kind of, like, walled off my full enjoyment of Champions of Norath. I played, like, 10 hours of it um, when I was sick, and uh, I love it, it just for nostalgia, and it's such a great time. It's a great couch co-op game, really recommended if you can play it with, like, a loved one or a friend. Really good time. Uh, but other than that, playing it single player just reminded me, wow, games have come... A long way. I think a lot of people don't realize how much nostalgia plays a factor. I really don't. I think oftentimes people are like, back then games were incredible. And I'm like, I spent 30 hours on fucking five Hitman 3 levels. What do you mean? You know, back I, I played Batman Vengeance and I beat it in like five hours. It's a short game. Like games were very short back then because now we're seeing more budgets, more evolutions, patches, and all that stuff come into play. And gaming's bigger than ever. I don't know, man. Blows my mind. I will say gaming can get less inventive nowadays. You come up with one idea and you got 80 people who are going to follow you. <laughs> Breath of the Wild, <laughs> Battle Royale. That type of stuff does happen. But when a new idea is you know, brought to life here, it's pretty good. It's pretty good stuff, especially with all the uh, tech and money that it seems these companies have access to. All right, next question comes in from Chris Cozy. Hey, gents. Only me. Slightly more serious question. My brother has been scammed playing multiple games over the years, and it takes a toll on his mental health. I know it's, um, I know that it's part his fault for not being careful, but it's also sad. There are people out there who take advantage of others who are passionate about games. Do you have any thoughts on how online gaming can be proved to mitigate this? Also, have either of you been scammed? If so, how do you cope? Um, this is an interesting question here. Of course, I have to say this. I just have to disclose this. Like, I'm not a therapist or 
some type of mental health advisor. Um, I'm not like a substitute for any type of professional. So just keep that in mind that this is my opinion on the matter and not like a professional take by any stretch of the imagination. But uh, do you have any thoughts on how online gaming might be improved to mitigate scamming? Um, so yeah, I got scammed in RuneScape one time so badly that someone got my password. Like I've been scammed before and it's very upsetting. And the only thing I did was like kind of doubled down. And just when I hopped on my account, I grinded and got my shit back. Um, you know, I remember someone like I fell for the oldest trick in the book. Like, Hey, you want free rune trimmed armor? Yeah, sure. What's your password? I'll sign in and transfer it for you. Instead of me going, why don't you trade it to me? He signed on to my account. So I signed on to my like random excess account. Ran to him. I was like, hey, stop. I'll report you. And, uh, of course, Jack X did nothing. The bastards did nothing. Didn't replace my items. Just let me get scammed openly. Uh, but anyway, I was an idiot. I handed out my password. They hacked me. They took my stuff. And so I just signed back on and ended up uh, using, you know, my friends would help me out. We'd all farm together. Like, we'd go farm cow hides and stuff. So, I don't know. I would just say, Chris, like, I, that's how I dealt with it. I just went back and, and played the game. Um I don't know how online gaming can be improved in that way other than like having more involvement from developers overhead. And at times I don't know if that's good or bad. Like I think we should absolutely confront toxic individuals, people who are ruining the game. And I think scamming can fall under that. But I don't know if you're talking like in-game scams, like, hey, you took five gold from me, or in my case, I lost all my items in my inventory, or you mean like real money, real scams. Um, At the end of the day, Yes, I have been scammed. Uh, the way I coped with it, I was very upset, but then I just kept playing the game, you know? So that's how I would personally approach it, Chris. Best of luck in your battle. Mac the Knife writes in, slap my ass and call me Shirley. Love, love, love the Finding Duke. I lost my shit when I saw that announcement as I'm a big fan of Xbox. So listening to your shenanigans focusing on Xbox was like butter on the breakfast toast for me. Wow, very descriptive hype there. Two quick questions. Number one, Maddie, I know you mostly focus on RPGs and a few off-the-wall ones here and there. Have you ever played Elix Outward or Pathfinder Kingmaker? I feel like they all fly way too low under the radar and deserve some love. They have jank, but they are enjoyable. Okay, so Elix have not played. That's one that I had on my list for a while to do like a retrospective review, um, but I never got around to it. I just don't think now that I look at it, there's enough interest in it. Um, like some of my most successful retrospective reviews have been Divinity, Original Sin 2, um, KOTOR, and um, Dragon Age Inquisition. Um, so I'm very picky. I like to choose RPGs to re-review. Uh, I could have done one for Outward. Outward, uh, during my little Christmas break before I got sick, my friends and I made a bet on Outward. Uh, it's a funny story, actually. We uh, we bet 15 bucks both sides, whoever beat it first, and which is stupid because this is a long RPG. You could work like eight different work shifts and make like triple this money. Not triple this money. You get my point. Though. You make a lot more money just by working. Uh, but we were like, all right. You know, it's a co-op game. Let's play Outward and let's see who wins first. Outward is solid at first, but that game has horrible combat. Horrible combat and horrible damage balance. The bosses in that game are terrible. 
I understand the appeal of Outward and its survival aspect, its world, its music is great, but that game is fucking terribly balanced. I did not really like that game as we wrapped it up. Unfortunately, we lost the bet because my two friends threw their entire life away on Christmas Eve while my buddies and I were out, you know, with our family girlfriends for Christmas Eve. <laughs> my <laughs> my friends actually threw their whole Christmas Eve away just to win a bet. So I happily paid them $50, $15 and took my life W. Um, as for Pathfinder Kingmaker, this was one I was looking into uh, for a while now. And I'm sure at some point I'll eventually make a video on that. Uh, but yeah, I, um, I, you know, it's interesting. I, I, when you say like I know you're focusing mostly on RPGs, it's, it, I have such a weird channel when you really look at it, right? I think I am clearly the RPG guy. Like when there's a big RPG... Uh, you know, I'm probably right on top of it talking about it already and before that even. But then I have like news and I do reviews. It's really cool. I love what I do. I'm just, I'm happy that people follow me because I look at other people who get fucked by the algorithm and I certainly do at times, but I'm just happy that, you know, a lot of you are here to support me. But yeah, right now, next on my list for those who are wanting for retrospective reviews is Dragon Age 2. Um, if I don't get the medium, that is going to be my next review. If I do get the medium, I will be doing that review next. So fingers crossed, as I'm, as uh, Max said, running an Xbox podcast. All right, number two. Probably going to burst some hype bubbles on this one, but I honestly don't think we'll be getting um, Horizon Forbidden West or God of War Ragnarok this year. These big games usually have one to two delays, and I can't fathom actually thinking they'll be out this year. This could just be my take, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. They might make it out in 2021 or get pushed to 2022 with a question mark. Um, so I think Horizon is going to make it out. I do not think that God of War Ragnarok will. Here's the thing is that it's just based off its reveals. God of War was like a little logo. People were like, oh, God of War PS5. And I'm like, dude, there's literally nothing there. I got excited by like the tease ending thing in, in God of War uh, on PS4, like the, the kind of uh, hidden ending that you can unlock. But uh, Horizon had a full trailer. In a full trailer. Um, and so I think... I, I wonder sometimes if these games are going to embrace their delays almost so that they can be so far apart from the PS4. They can be like, let's go next-gen only. Because for me, my hype for, for PlayStation is kind of sunk a little bit outside of Ratchet because I want to play games that are built for my new console. I know that's not a feasible business strategy, but that's what I want. And all I've gotten with that so far is Demon's Souls Remake, which was like 15 hours long. I beat it and I kind of moved on. Uh, just because the games, it, they, they remade it, but they didn't really update a lot of stuff, so it was very old. Uh, so for me, I'm very excited for Ratchet, uh, which I definitely think is getting a delay because they said it's releasing within the launch window of the PS5, and here we are heading into February, and there's been no word on that. Now, understandably, Insomniac's probably overworked right now. You just did Spider-Man PS4 two years later. Uh, you just dropped Miles Morales, which had great reviews. And afterwards, you've got Ratchet and Clank on PS5. So I imagine they're going to back this one up a little bit just so that they can uh, have the other releases breathe a little bit. Uh, but for me personally, I'm in agreement with you on God of War. I think Horizon gets out, though, because I think when I'm PlayStation, you got to know... Xbox has Halo, and I know they're going to have more this fall. Xbox is going to start unrolling their packages this fall. I don't know if that's Hellblade. I don't know if that is Starfield. I, I, I believe, based off literally what I've heard directly from sources, I believe that Starfield is coming this year. And I said that even beforehand. I think a lot of people don't understand that Starfield's been in development since really after Fallout 4, you know, conceptually speaking. But 
it's been worked on a lot longer than people realize. And I think it has a really strong chance of coming out this year. Um, I don't know if it's next gen or cross gen. I don't know any of that, but obviously Starfield, if it's exclusive, that plays into Xbox's thing. So if I'm PlayStation, I want to get one of these big heavy hitters out. Um, and I think God of War, you know, cause here's the thing, right? They got Returnal, you've got Ratchet and you've got Horizon. So you can kind of spread these out throughout the year. I know Returnal isn't a big one for a lot of people, but Housemark is a great developer. They make great games. Um, so Ratchet's a big one as well. If you got that a quarter way through the year, Returnal a little bit, uh, I think Returnal's in a month or so. I think it's in March maybe, but you got that. And then you've got Horizon at the end of the year. That's pretty good. And that's not accounting for, Destruction All-Stars coming out exclusive on PlayStation 5 and a couple of others where um, I think PlayStation's in a good spot and they just need that fall heavy hitter and I think it's going to be one of these two, not both though. I could totally see God of War Ragnarok being a kind of spring uh, 2022 title. All right. Unkempt Hawk writes in, really loving everything you guys are putting out these days. Just wanted to thank you all for the awesome content. Thank you. You don't have any idea how far your kind words go. Uh, One, so I haven't jumped into the Hitman series before, and after seeing Maddie and Carrick review Hitman 3, I'm very interested. Just wondering if you guys think 3 is a good place to jump in, considering I likely won't have access to those maps from the previous two games. So Unkempt Hulk, I kind of answered this already, but I'll just add in here that I do think you'll be fine. You won't have, obviously, as much content, like just naturally speaking. Like, you won't have Hitman 1, 2 maps. Um, I don't know what platform you're playing on. If you're playing on PC, you will have access to Hitman 1's maps within next number of days up until the 30th but if you're playing on console yeah you will have to pay for those and that does kind of suck but at the same time they they i don't know how to say other than they pay for themselves especially like the one maps with how many updates they've gotten two's maps there's like i think like seven of them like there's a lot there there's 21 in total if you go across all three games um so i would say yeah three alone is worth it hundred percent. I I've made sure even after my review to not go to one and twos maps and only play threes, you know, because I just want to make sure, of course, not even make sure I was already confident in my opinion, but to further emphasize, like this game is on its own. Very good. It's very replayable. I can easily see myself squeezing 50 hours of just those maps before actually diving into one and two. Will I do that? Probably not. I'm kind of keen to move on to them after 30 hours, but there is still more to be seen. I still haven't done every assassination for a number of the maps, and I want to do that first. So I could probably put 45, 50 hours in just to see all the assassinations. That's crazy. It is crazy. So I think, yes, 100% on its own, worth it, especially because it's polished. None, none of the, my, my experience had to like pop in once or twice. Nothing worth mentioning, though. And they already had a patch that came out day one. It was nothing worth mentioning. So just to reiterate on Kemp's Hog, I can imagine this will be in my Game of the Year discussion. It's 100% on my list already. I know some people are like, oh, once again, it's it's mid-January, Maddie, stop. But, like, you can, you like, you just know when you really like a game. Like, you know when you got a special game. And for me, that's it, man, three. Number two from Unkempt Talk, Maddie. Any updates on what you think of the High Republic book? I remember you mentioning it on the previous podcast. Just curious. Unkempt Hulk, I'm going to make a request to you. Follow up next week. This week got very busy for me, as I'm sure you can tell, uh, based off on the news videos I had to do. And I was rearranging a lot of my coverage with uh, with the Frontier and, of course, the Hitman 3 review. So I did bump back reading the book a little bit. I am going to start it this week, though. And because I know you're going to follow up with this, I'm trusting you're going to follow up with this Unkempt Hulk. 
I will make sure I read it just because I'm going to feel the pressure from you. So I'm putting this on myself and on you. All right, let's keep moving on. Know it all writes in, but first, Matty all needs a drink of water. Mm. All right. Hey, guys. I'm working on a couple of videos at the moment, and I have plans of starting up a podcast with some buddies of mine. My first question this week is, if you could go back and give yourself a piece of advice when you first started out on YouTube, what would that advice be? This is a really interesting question. What piece of it? Because here's the thing. is like you don't start out perfect. You just don't. I have never seen any creator start off and you look at their old videos and nothing has changed in their new ones, right? Like there's always, most times I should say, and in my case, I think there is that gradual upward swing where you make your way to that peak or that, you know, you keep trending upwards. I don't like to say peak because I feel like we always have room to continue to grow if we'd like to. Um, I will say, I think if anything, I would have gone back and told myself, be a little more confident in myself. I think as you can tell, and I made a whole video talking about it, um, 2020 was kind of the year that I found some of my YouTube confidence in my opinions, really, uh, and in my ability to deliver entertainment at the same time as being informative. I just had all these ideas and I eventually just put it all together in this past year. And I feel like 2021 is going to be a continuation of that. And it's kind of like, I feel like with now doing this whole Xbox podcast, um, it feels like almost a reward. Like, you know, I've shown, I have a lot of capability. So I think it's a matter of believing in myself, right? Like I didn't really show my face. I tried to hide behind the microphone just because I was like, you know, who cares about me? Who cares about the game? You know, they only care about the game. Um, I didn't realize the importance of connecting with people. So for me, it would be just having that confidence to keep going. I feel like I always had a good work ethic with YouTube and the ability to really apply myself to my job and just bust my ass because I care about it a lot. I feel like that shows, you know, other things came a long time like you know a lot of people obviously know this but you know i started youtube way back when i was a teenager you know i was i was a youngling technically i've been doing youtube since i was in sixth grade um but if i go back to like when this channel and g27 status which there's only one video on that now but when i go back to that stuff uh, of course there are things like i just needed to grow up like i was very very immature and that just needed to go and that needed to like, but there needed to be time for that, of course. And so I needed to just better myself as a person. And I think, um, my audience's understanding and willingness and desire as well. Some people were vocally desiring me to get better as a person. Not like I was a piece of shit, but I'm just saying like, I was very immature and I said and did stupid shit. <laughs> it's just that simple. Cause I was just a teenager, man. Uh, you know, you're, you're always an idiot when you're a teenager. I've met very few who are wise beyond their years outside of uh, my best friend who, you know, I grew up with the kid. Right. So he was, uh, he was wise behind his, beyond his years, but um, in some ways I was, but I think enough so to, to, to mature a bit quicker, but it, it did take me some time. So there are things like that. I think it's just like, don't rush, man. Just you're, you're better off putting out the content and just learning how to be better over time um, than not doing anything at all. So that would be it for me. All right. This looks like a new face. Crickix writes in, if you don't read this question on the next podcast, I'll think me things about you for the rest of my, <laughs> for the rest of my neighbor's life. He's 98 years old. Oh my. Wow. 
What are your thoughts as a panel on the grounded game? The devs have been steadily adding new features and updating the game. Do you guys see big success for the game in the future, or will it be overshadowed and forgotten by other games coming out? Uh, so this is a great question. I think Grounded is excellent, um, especially for how it launched in early access. It's just a testament to how fucking good Obsidian is nowadays, and they're just getting better. Like, because you know, they were known for bugs for a while, but now with the way you know Grounded launched in a mostly uh, not, or I shouldn't say mostly, but not as pardon the pun buggy of a state as most early access titles. And then you have the Outer Worlds, which, funny enough, was praised a lot for its polish. Um, Obsidian's kind of changing the narrative on themselves. So I appreciated Grounded a lot at launch. Um, I, I have not played it since um, I made my video on it. Um, because I was waiting for new features and updates to come out and for them to kind of do that full launch, which is apparently coming this year. That is when I plan on returning personally. Um, but I do see big success in the future when they start, when they do that announcement, like, Hey, we're doing, this is the full game coming out because it's obsidian. I think it will get its own attention. And because of Xbox and it's a builder game, I think it will get its own attention. Also, Who's worried about getting their soda watered down from too many ice cubes? Just drink the damn thing and you won't have to worry about it. Who takes 45 minutes to drink a glass of Coke? I'll tell you who. Children. A fucking men. That's what I said, right? I said, just drink it. Just drink it. Thank you. Thank you for writing that in. That was the best submission yet. (laughs) Natural Calamity writes in, question. The only thing stopping me from playing certain games on my Switch is no achievements for my games, such as Skyrim and such. So my question is, with Xbox and Nintendo being as close as they are, will they ever get achievement support and possibly cross-save? That would be cool. Great idea. But I don't know. Xbox has kind of said that they want to keep things in their own ecosystem. If they do get it on Switch, I would imagine they have to find out a way for achievements to be supported through that streaming because I don't think it would do anything natively. But um, I'm the same way at times. I really wish Switch had some type of, not the in-game challenges, achievements. Listen to feedback and add them in. And do them retrospectively. They have so many popular-ass series that I would definitely go back to and replay if there were achievements and trophies or whatever they want to call it there. Knowing Nintendo, they'd call them stickers or some crap. Remember this moment. Remember this moment. They'll probably call them stickers. Next question from Natural Calamity. I'm a drummer. Would I regret it if I didn't ask, and would regret it, I'm sorry, if I didn't ask uh, you gentlemen, uh, would you want to start a band, me on the drums, Maddie in the back doing some techno weeb shit, Dustin on guitar, and singing, and Carrick in the back with his death hounds as they sing the classics, and we will be called the Ham Radio Ravers. Sure, man, why the hell not? I'm not really musically inclined. I think if anything, I'd probably be good on the keyboard, which may fit that techno weeb shit. Last question from Natural Calamity. For months... I've been looking for good Bluetooth earbuds for my new Galaxy 5, but I've been perplexed and can't find anything good. I tried Apple headphones, broke. Skull Candy headphones, broke. Yeah, those are terrible. And $20 earbuds because I'm just lost. I know Carrick is into audio, so what is your recommendation? Which should I get? I need your expertise. So, obviously, Carrick not here. Um, I know this company does a lot of sponsorships, but natural, I would look into Raycon. Now... They did at one point, I almost had a sponsorship with them, but we ended up going with Crunchyroll instead, funny enough, because uh, it's like an agency, for those who don't know, that contact you, and they have a bunch of brands, and I was like, look, I'm way more passionate about Crunchyroll, and that's way more natural for me to recommend than headphones, which I've heard good things on, and I actually don't own a pair, but I have a friend who did buy a pair, and there's so many YouTube affiliate links out there and discount codes. You can get one for really cheap, and uh, two of my friends actually have gotten their own pair, and they use them at the gym, and they have really like them so i'm pretty sure 
you can use those on your uh, Galaxy 5. I would double check. But that would be my suggestion. They kind of look like AirPods, but they're a cheaper version of them. And uh, people seem to really like them. Okay. Two questions left here. Coach Blue writes in, Hola. How do you guys see development, uh, game development length changing in the future? With new and improved technology, do you think that devs will be able to make games quicker or will they take longer to make sh- uh, to make because games have increased complexity? Asking from a technological standpoint, not counting other factors like increasing a studio's size. Stay sexy, stay active. Hell yeah. All right. Um, you know, it's interesting because I think what happens is as we see technology progress, and we see certain things change in game development, you know, like a studio size increase. I don't think they go, okay, now we can get this out quicker. It's like, what can we do with all of this power, all of this tech backing us for that same length of time? So typical game development length, four years, we'll say. Four to five years for a big game. Take that, take the new tech and apply it. Would they want to just get squeeze that out in three years? I think they can get more of those things done and then fit more into their game. So... I think, if anything, games could technically get bigger. That would be my interpretation of how it's going to trend. I don't think they're going to shrink down dev cycles. Um, but, you know, what we saw with Unreal Engine 5 and the way they could, like, scan objects into the engine, that will save time. But it's like, now maybe instead of seeing, like, one asset, which is this cup here, if you're watching the video version, it's this cup here with all these pens in it. Instead, they render in individual pens, and they have their own physics, and it's in this cup. That would be kind of my interpretation of it. The little things will go a little bit further and uh, that'll be interesting. I think the, the key point here is though games do not need to take less time because we've seen what happens when they do. There's never been a good indicator that quick development has worked out. Unless it's Fallout New Vegas or KOTOR 2. But those are some of the best games of all time. So clearly just blessed games from Obsidian. All right. Last writing comes in from Pakaluigi. Sorry, I stuttered on your name there. Greetings. Last minute write in to get the stomach juices going. What would your death row meal be? Best Paco. What the f- death row meal? Paco, come on. You're, you're better than that. I'm kidding. But um, last meal I'm going to eat? <laughs> pizza. I love pizza. Pizza puts me in a happy place. So that would be my choice. Not much to go on there, right? Like, you're about to die, right? I mean, just give me something, man. Doesn't matter. I'm not pooping it out. I'm just going. I'm eating it and that's it. So that would be my meal. And with that, those are all the patron write-ins. Thank you all so much for writing in, having passion for our show. Let me just go back and make sure I didn't miss anything. Doesn't look like I did, no. Nope, I did not. Okay, just wanted to double check. That'll do it for this show, though. Thank you all so much for writing in. Thank you for supporting the Ham Radio Podcast, whether it's a solo episode or old host, new host. Thank you for supporting us. And with that, I will catch you all in episode 286. If you got this deep, use the hashtag Ride and Solo. We'll do that. Go ahead and do that. And with that, I'll see you all very soon. Stay sexy, stay active. I love you all. Peace.